This is episode 31 of Cowboy Shit with Ted and Wasey, brought to you by Everything Cowboy. Carrie Price episode. One could call it the hockey episode. Even well, though we don't really talk. We talk a little bit about hockey. Yeah, we've had some hockey guests on here before. Mm-hmm. Carrie Price will be on Cowboy Shit someday. Write that down. You heard it here first, folks. Bold predictions of 2019. A lot of people are saying it. A lot of people are saying he won't. <laughs> hear that carrie if you're listening a lot of people are saying you won't come on the pod so go ahead and prove us wrong prove them wrong so here we go the last few weeks pretty rough and bull riding business with crazy uh, how fast the month has gone by it is and it's tough with the way it started off mason Mm -hmm. low passing away on tuesday january 8th in denver got stepped on and passed away the same night so Mm -hmm. i mean we've seen it happen before a little bit in bull riding not a lot in our lifetime no no it's crazy just how it's like everything's just so sudden and oh yeah and And how some can look kind of harmless and then yeah when you picture someone like you picture like bull riding and something happening like that you don't picture it the way that you had it's crazy how it works out that way some look way worse and end up being not even close not that bad right yeah we walk away from it or whatnot it's been pretty cool to see over the last few weeks too like how everybody's come together to support like his family and and all the friends like coming together like that's been really cool and the pbr's done a good job of like supporting and yeah they had raised like $80,000 by the first day or something wow. for Mason's family. And they just renamed the St. Louis event, the Mason Lowe Memorial. Perfect. That's uh, coming up in a few weeks here, St. Louis. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Pretty cool too. Like looking back, a guy doesn't realize how many ranked bulls that guy rode in his career. Oh yeah. He rode some of the Bruiser, baddest ones going. And I want to say Brutus as well. Yeah, sweet operator. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Guy rode really well. That's mm-hmm. Yeah, horrible news that way. I mean, the only things you can think about is that he died doing something he loves. You can never take that away. Mm-hmm. That was well. And you and I have talked to you. Like you can yeah. die getting in your car or walking across the street. Like anything yeah. can happen, right? I mean, and everybody knows dangers of bull riding when they get into it. But mm-hmm. yeah, so we're. I mean, I don't. I don't know. I've never been good at words that way. But mm-hmm. yeah, the guy did died doing something he loved and mm-hmm. and he always you know did it on his own terms i think i think that's a freeing way to live too as compared to some folks so for sure and a lot of people don't get that chance yeah so we miss you mason and we're sorry for what happened but we're thinking of you yeah you and your family exactly mm-hmm. so that was a tough way to start the year that was a day sorry i'm i'm off he passed away on the 15th yeah so it was like less than a week after ty after ty like ty passed away on january 9th mm-hmm. so yeah mason Passed away on the 15th. It's a pretty rough last couple of years on bull riders in January. Mm-hmm. We actually, so since the last show, it would have been right after the anniversary of Ty's passing and we had a nice memorial article for him. Thanks everybody for sending in their pieces on Ty. Appreciate you doing that too. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about a few different things actually. You know what I didn't, I, I know I hate to talk about it in this sense too, but I was totally disgusted at the way the PRCA handled this whole situation. Yeah, it's funny like, I, like, I was blown away when I seen the tweet, just the way they worded yeah. it. Yeah. Like, there's a million other ways you could have said the way they said it, but they yeah. just... And you, you, the worst thing about that is people know it's a jab at the event. It's it a was, direct yeah, jab Yeah, it's a direct it. jab. Like that, and it's in Colorado, like an hour from their office. Yeah. But then they go and say that he passed away at a non-sanctioned event. Like, it was just despicable. Like, yeah, I, that's brutal. I actually... To tell you the total honest truth, I unfollowed the PRCA on all forms of social media, and I probably won't go back to the NFR last year. I was I didn't want to after how things went last year, but I'm just saying now too that I signs point to me not going back to the NFR as media next year. Mm-hmm. Might just go and hang out for a few days, but like I could give a shit about going back there to support anything that they have anything to do. Especially with. Especially want to be act like that, and like, that's pretty amateur. Yeah, of them fuck to, that. Yeah. And I mean, I guess I shouldn't go negative that way, and 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 focus on something but it's hard you not know? to it's not hard Holy. it's hard not to and that's like one of the prominent like I entities lost, in rodeo yeah. and it's just like i lost all respect yeah. in that one moment like it just yeah i guess it was the last thing or just like but fuck that that is just yeah, embarrassing that was, that was terrible yeah yeah there's like, like i said yeah. there's a million other ways you could have worded that or said anything about it and they just had yeah. they had, and they for whatever reason they thought that was the one thing that or the well, way yeah. to say it or the yeah, proper for, way to say it for those wondering they did a, a memorial post about mason and they said that he passed away at a non-sanctioned bull ride event mm-hmm. or like uh yeah like yeah the, like they couldn't even mention pbr and not that, not that it matters and it's, but it's funny too though because like anytime ugh. the pbr writes they always mention the prca and the yeah we always do and like it's always yeah there's never no uh disrespect that way yeah so it just kind of blew me away and i don't know what oversight it was or what happened but like holy crap that was that was rough Damn. and i yeah it was the end of the road for me on that one so mm-hmm. mark my word on that too unless something drastically changes in there then yeah like yeah I've well they're not doing themselves no, any favors right no reason to go there mm-hmm. this episode we have a great visit with our good friend dave polson he's an author 
rodeo announcer, rock star, confirmed hockey guy, former high school football coach, English professor, TV star, former rodeo clown and bullfighter, also a competitor in rodeo. TV star. Yeah, you mentioned that one. He's been a TV star. Did I tell you that He's one? He's an <laughs> author. He's written several books. Leather-bound le- books. Several leather-bound <laughs> books. His apartment smells of rich mahogany. It does. And if you haven't read one of books, one of Dave's books, you probably should, if you can read. I'm sure you can read, but just saying, you might want to check it out. <laughs> His books are great. At least a grade eight level. Has a new one coming out on May 6th, 2019. And that's a continuation of his current series, right? The- C- correct. The Cullen and Cobb Mysteries. Right. Check out DavePolson.com. Find it at your local bookstore. You're listening to Cowboy Shit with Ted and Wacy. Carrie Price episode, right? Yeah, it would be the Carrie Price episode. This is Cowboy Shit with Ted and Wacy live from Calgary, Alberta. <laughs> Headquarters. Oh, taped at HQ in Calgary. And we've got our guest today. David Polson has been a rodeo competitor, rodeo clown, rock singer, high school football coach, stage and film actor and a college and English instructor and he's with us today at the house in person in person <laughs> live in person well, we've been Wilson. trying to do this for a long time you guys and it's uh, I'm glad we finally got together thanks for having me you said that you, that all those things are actually true too yeah yeah you read it very well off of google <laughs> or Ted nicely done <laughs> Like I've I've known. I, you I got I got one question just to start it off. So okay, you're a rock okay. singer. What's like your <laughs> your encore? Like people come to hear you sing this song. Yeah. What's the one song? The the one song. Oh man, uh, probably Purple Rain. Oh, oh yeah. Purple. yeah, you know. I, I mean, we're talking a, a group that was a long time ago. You know. What was the and, name of your band? Dave? And what uh, we were called the. We started out with the mystical mice. Oh wow! <laughs> well, what a disgusting. Was this the '60s? Is this well, yeah, yeah, '60s. And then, uh, and then we went to we cut that back to the Mystics. But then there was another group called the Mystics who were actually pretty good. Oh. So we had to blow that off. But about that time, all my buddies who this was a university band. Yeah. And uh, they were all graduating and wanting to quit, so there was no place for David Paulson, lead singer oh. of the Mystics. So. Oh, dang. We uh, shut her down. Yep. Hmm. Sounds like the summer of 69 by Brian Adams. Yeah, yeah. It, it kind of was. <laughs> yeah. it was. That is my life story. Yeah. <laughs> Brian Adams did that song about he me. He wrote it about you. Yeah, you he did his own news About David Polson. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I always like it when you play that at uh, rodeos, Ted. Uh, summer, summer 69 is like goes back to his glory days. song, yeah. Do you have any of your music on record that I could like, Absolutely play? Absolutely not. <laughs> you don't? <laughs> we never quite got to that stage. So were you a cover band or were you guys uh, like... Did you yeah, no, we, we had a cover couple of original things. I wrote a couple yeah. of songs, but mostly we covered stuff. Yeah. Let's get off of this and <laughs> on to something that I actually do well. <laughs> Let's talk about books first. Okay, uh, sure. You've got a couple of your books here right yeah. now, and you're the author of over 20 different titles. And I've read all of the Cullen and Cobb mysteries so far. Started out with Serpents Rising, then went to Dead Air. Last one is the last song sung, and you've got a new one coming out in May. Yeah, book four is called None So Deadly. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm excited about it. It uh, release date is May 6th. So we'll be doing some cool stuff in and around May to kind of kick off that book. And that's, uh, that's kind of the turning point in a lot of these series. And I didn't know this, but book four, for some reason, seems to be the one that if you get past book four and on from there, it becomes a, a long standing series. But a lot of them end after four books. Huh. This one might. Really? I've kind of written it in such a way that it could end. Really? Or it could continue on, so we'll uh, we'll see what happens. But then it's kind of out of my hands, and the publisher and and my agent will deal with all of that, and I just try to write the books. Do you have a contract for number five yet? No, you? I do not. So uh, has it been different in the past, or is that? Yeah, what happened after when I started the series? I actually thought Ted that it might just be a one off, and that yeah. Serpents Rising would be a one time thing because I always wanted to write a mystery, and and so I was really excited that that happened. But then the publisher came to me and said, okay, we want to offer you a contract for books two, three, and four. So a three-book contract, which was really, really nice. Yeah. But that obviously ends with None So Deadly coming out in May. So beyond that, as I say, it's it's right now my agent and and the publisher, Dundurn Books in Toronto. They're chatting as we speak, and, and we'll see where it goes. Huh. When would you know about that new contract? I need to know shortly after. There's kind of some deadlines built into the contract negotiation. So right around the end of January, which hopefully we'll have some good news at that time. Oh, yeah. Well, and how did you ever get started writing books? I mean, you you probably writ- you were an English professor at one time. It probably began kind of around there. What? No, it, it was even sooner than that, Ted, to be honest with you. Like when I was a kid, 
I was just interested in, in I, I read a lot. My dad read a lot. He read to me and with me. And, and so I kind of followed his lead. And he was a big mystery guy. I loved uh, the old Perry Mason novels. And uh, so I kind of got started on his Perry Mason books after I graduated from the Hardy Boys and Nancy Drew and all that kind of stuff. But I had been writing books in 1984. I wrote a short story that won a competition, and that kind of, the garage band having that hit single, because that really got me out of the garage and, and into the, the real publishing world. And from that point on, all those publishers who'd been sending me rejection letters up to that time, and I had a stack, a fairly large stack of those, now they were interested. And so it kind of took off from that short story winning that competition. It was called The Welcoming. And, you know, it, it kind of took off from there. The mystery thing is something that I always wanted to do. And, you know, guys, I, I probably didn't because I was afraid, because it was the genre that I most wanted to succeed at, I was almost afraid to try. Because mm -hmm. if you don't try, you can't fail. Yeah. And I was afraid of failure. So I'd, until 2015, when Serpents Rising, that you alluded to, Ted, I got that book written and, and I just kind of felt like, hey, it feels okay. Maybe, maybe this is going to work. And happily for me, it, it has worked and it's kind of taken off from there. And I've had a lot of fun with the mysteries. I, I love this kind of stuff. I, I think they're the coolest books. Like I've read a lot of CJ Box. I began re like reading. I know his, you do. Yeah. Yeah. And I like him too. Yeah. Well, and he, uh, I started reading his books in like, it was either high school or middle school or somewhere along the line in Drayton Valley, like my local librarian, Claire Sather was her, was her name. She recommended I try to check out these, these uh, CJ Box books. And uh, I, th I thought they're really cool because he's on the Cheyenne Rodeo Committee and he's writes about cowboys and rodeo stuff. They're kind of mixed in his books. But then Dave, like, I know I know you and we're friends and we get to work together at some rodeos here and there. And now you have these books and one of them, I'm not sure which one it was now, but there's one part that's like set right by our house <laughs> where it's actually right by the house. And Nick, all, all the Cullen and Cobb mysteries are, are set here in Calgary. And I think it's the neatest thing. And it must be fun for you to go and write these books and you have a lot of your friends help you with the research like michael connor is one of them right from yeah the Stampede yes you're right you're right yeah it must be a lot of fun that way too well it is and you know one of the things that has has really resonated with people and you just mentioned it is a lot of the places that are very familiar to people and uh, even uh, you know perry gursky one of our rodeo judges who doesn't live in calgary but said oh i recognize it when i read yeah, yeah <laughs> I, I remember that place and and people love that stuff and so do i when i read other people's books so that has been a lot of fun you're right and and you never know ted uh, th this very location that we are now <laughs> could wind up being in a future cullen and Cobb. Oh. that's in book five that hasn't done a contract yet <laughs> that's right <laughs> That was another one of those subtle jokes. I have a coffee mug at home that says, uh, be careful or you could wind up in my next novel. Oh, dear. And, and, you know, a dead body, Ted. So be careful. Oh, geez. Special <laughs> guest is dead bodies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I, I couldn't imagine where that could go. That could be quite hilarious. Actually. Yeah, it could. I always threaten those rodeo clowns that are hassling me that uh, yeah. one day, Halstead, you're going to wind up <laughs> oh, spread eagle somewhere. And <laughs> down by the bow. Yeah. In a van down by the river. <laughs> yeah. Oh man! Oh geez, I don't know where to go from here. I'm kind of like, this is this is a lot of fun already. Um, I want to talk about some hockey. I know you had some involvement with the Calgary Canucks back in the early '70s. Just kind of talk about your role with the team and what you did with them. I was uh, doing some public relations with the Calgary Stampede, and and that was kind of my background is public relations. And I saw a little notice in the, I think probably the Calgary Herald, saying that this new Junior A hockey team franchise was starting up in Calgary called the Calgary Canucks. And I just, out of the blue, phoned them up and said, hey, have you guys got anybody handling your publicity and promotion and things like that? And, and they sort of said, well, do we need something like that? And uh, I said, okay, so you don't. I'd love to do it as a volunteer, just mm -hmm. to show you what I maybe can do and help your team. And that turned into a, like a 10-year commitment with uh, both with the Canucks and uh, and I worked with the AJHL as well. Oh, nice. And uh, so that, I'll tell you what, Wacey, that was 10 great years of my life. I just absolutely loved working with the guys that were so dedicated to keeping that hockey franchise going. That franchise right now is one of the oldest in the history of the Alberta Junior mm -hmm. Hockey League. Unfortunately, uh, it looks like this year might be the last in Calgary. They're talking, I know, Dustin Edwards, your friend and mine, who's who's over there with those dreaded Drumheller guys, <laughs> but he said the, the, the word around the league is that the Canucks may, in fact, move that franchise mm -hmm. after this year. It's tough for the city franchises yeah, yeah. like Calgary because they just they can't 
get the players in the same way that a Drumheller or a Brooks and some of those communities can. And it's tough with the sponsorship and everything and the fan base yeah. just isn't there. So it looks like they move. I, I, I could see them maybe moving to a perhaps a Cochrane or Strathmore and, and being quite successful in, in one of those venues. But it's been a 30-some-odd-year run for the for the Canucks in Calgary and, and good on them. Yeah. A lot of dedicated people and a lot of really good hockey players came through that program over the years. Mm-hmm. Well, you guys won a championship while you were there too, yeah. right? Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that was neat. And, uh, and we had uh, actually a high school buddy of mine by the name of Don Phelps coached the hockey club for many, many years and had a very successful run with them. So yeah, it was, it, it truly was one of those things that I just, I look back on some of the things that have happened and that I've done in my life. That's one of the things I'm really, really proud of mm-hmm. and that I really had a lot of fun with. And that was one thing when Dustin was looking at going and making that move to from the oil field to hockey, you were a big supporter of it and told him to give her. Man, uh, you know, and, and if I had maybe pursued that, I think I could have turned that into a career. And, and I really believe that Dustin has that opportunity as well. The AJHL is a great starting point for you. You put in two or three years here in this league and kind of learn the craft. There's no reason in the world why you can't move on, presumably in hockey, but maybe in other sport. When I was with the Canucks, for example, I had a really good job offer that I stupidly declined from the Edmonton Eskimos to go there and work in their promotion department. So, you know, they there's guys out there that are watching uh, the young guys that are kind of finding their way and learning the craft at, at those levels. So for a guy like Dustin, I, I could see him really rising right to the top. What were some of the names that we might recognize that played for the Canucks when you were there? Well, probably one of the guys who came through that, I guess you look at Murray Heatley, for example, who went on and had an outstanding career. Greg Smith played in the National Hockey League. He's married to one of the Butterfields, by the way. Oh, you know, okay. all the Butterfields up there in that Pinocchio. Heard country. of him? He came from Pinocchio, huh. uh, did Greg, and, and uh, was he was kind of an interesting young guy. He, he came down as a little guy, built about like you, Ted, and not to degrade your build or anything like that. <laughs> but as a hockey player, especially a defenseman, you might want to be a little bit bigger than Ted Stoven. That's true. And, uh, and he wasn't. And, uh, and he was actually cut because we had a rule with the Calgary Canucks that we would only have three out-of-town players. We were really gearing this towards the Calgary kids that wanted to get an education and play junior hockey. And he was sort of the fourth out-of-town kid. And our coach took him aside and uh, after training camp and said, and he was staying at my house. He was kind of camped at my house during training camp, billeted there, and uh, he was told he was cut. And, and he, he sat there and said, you can't cut me. That would be a huge mistake. And this wow. kid was really soft-spoken. He, he wasn't uh, kind of out there or aggressive or anything other than on the ice. The coach was so impressed by just kind of his attitude that, no, no, you, you can't do this. I will make this team and I will make this team better. And, and he was absolutely right and went on from there to college and then eventually to the National Hockey League. So, you know, that kind of attitude is, is kind of neat when you see that in a kid. But, mm-hmm. you know, Mike Vernon came through that program. There was a lot of really good hockey players came through the Calgary Canucks over the years. Lots of them maybe didn't go on to professional hockey, but certainly went on to college hockey, got the good education, which was kind of the whole raison d'etre for the Canucks. That was something we really stressed, really wanted to do, and did that, I think, very, very well. A lot of kids came out of our program and went to the colleges in the States and stuff and did did extremely well. I want to visit with you about rodeo a little bit here now, but I, I don't want to talk about the regular stuff. Like you've done everything there is to do in, in our sport in Canada, numerous time announcer of the year, announced the Canadian finals rodeo. You've announced at the Calgary stampede for 30 some odd years. I mean, we don't need to really talk much about rodeo, maybe like one or two things about one of the highlights of your career has been or, or something like that to start. And we'll go from there. Well, there's been two or three highlights, Ted. I guess one of them is certainly the fact that I'm going into my 40th year. Oh, wow. That's 2019. This this year is numero 40. When I started back at the Medicine Hat Stampede in 1980 alongside Warren Cooper, and Coop was, uh, it was interesting, he was nearing the end of his career, and he wrapped it up at year number 39. Oh, wow. So I'm finally passing one of my heroes. Oh, wow. uh, And that was that year, you guys? That was that year. And so to get along, to work alongside that great human being and great announcer was pretty cool for me. That was certainly one of the highlights. But the other one, I think, winning the Cowboy of the Year Award three or four years ago and being the first rodeo announcer to do that, that meant a great, great deal to me and and absolutely came as a total surprise. I had absolutely no idea that was coming until about five seconds before (laughs) it happened. So 
How'd they get you? Kind of neat. They, uh, Murray Milan, who was the president of the association at that time, the CPRA, yeah. he said, I need you to help me. They're, they're, the Hall of Fame presentations were yeah. right before the Cowboy of the Year. And so he said, uh, I need you to be out there and help me. Like, there's a couple of those people that are a little bit elderly. You yeah. need to help me get them out of the arena after they're done with their presentation. It totally made sense. Yeah. And so here I am ready to, first of all, I couldn't find Murray. And I thought, oh my God, I'm letting the guy down. Oh, I better run over there. So I'm I'm there waiting for some of these. But wait a minute. The very people that I'm supposed to be helping out of the arena, I don't see them. They're, they're not there. And then suddenly I hear in the background, I, I, of course, Brett Gardner's on the on the microphone and he's talking. Now he's talking about the Cowboy of the Year. And, and pretty soon I realized that some of the things he's saying are, oh, my God, he's talking about me. And that's <laughs> that's when I uh, when I realize. And then you look around and everybody's grinning at you and they, they yeah. ah, we got you. And they did. And then I turned around and my daughter from Saskatoon was there. And oh, it she was. You hadn't it, seen her before it, that? It, Oh, no, not, I didn't oh, even wow. know she was at the rodeo, but of course she was there for that moment. And, and so that was really exciting and family were there and that was a pretty big deal. So yeah, it was great. And probably the third out of the triumvirate of highlights was getting back to the Canadian Files Rodeo last year and it being yeah. the first one in Red Deer and stuff. Yeah. That was, that was pretty exciting too. So there's the three. What about, should we, I don't, I've just had the thought to talk about some low lights. Like there's probably been to have those peaks. There's probably been some valleys too. Yeah, there, there has. And, uh, and I guess probably the worst day in, in my rodeo life was, uh, was at Medicine Hat a number of years ago when we lost Chris Self, bull rider. Being one of the announcers there, I was working with Bill Kaler at the time. And that was certainly one of the toughest. And anytime you lose young people like that, as we did with Ty Pazabon a couple of years ago. And those are, those are very, very difficult moments. And then, you know, and certainly in a lighter way, uh, those moments when you totally screw something up at a rodeo, it's a little funnier. And I've certainly done that a few times. I've, you've probably caught a few of those, Ted. How many times and, have you sworn on the microphone in to the public of a, of a rodeo? Um, not very often. No, but you said like shit instead of a Schmidt. I think probably, you know, maybe, or, yeah, one, one or two of those, I think have probably <laughs> snuck in there. <laughs> but, but you know, yeah, yeah, I have made those mistakes. Like the time that I, uh, I was announcing the the barrel racing uh, and announced that this event featured uh, pretty horses and fast women, and <laughs> you know, and and that was at a Reg Kessler rodeo, and he kept riding by on that big bald face horse that he had and saying, "Tell him again about the fast women and the pretty horses." <laughs> they don't let you forget that stuff, those guys. So I've I've had some of those moments. I remember one time, you know, you've got that microphone, and you're very familiar with this. Ted, you've got that microphone in your hand. And I remember the grand entry was starting, the cowgirls that were coming in with the flags, and I announced them, and here they are, and the music was playing, and nothing's happening. They just stopped, right? They, yeah. There's, I think I was there There's for absolutely one. nothing going on. <laughs> and so I kind of thought I'd put the microphone down far enough that we could get away with it. And I said, come on, girls, get the hell in there. <laughs> Something along those lines. And, and of course, came over the sound system and everybody heard it. Some people were laughing. I don't think the girls were laughing. Oh, and no. from that moment on, boy, did I suck up to those. Oh, this is the greatest grand entry you've ever seen. <laughs> you know, you try to make up for it after that. But... Uh, <laughs> yeah, so I've had those moments too. What's been the funniest thing that's happened at a rodeo or either while you were announcing or... At a book event? At a book event. I guess you could go that <laughs> way too, event. yeah. Well, you know, one of my favorite moments in Pincher Creek, they have a pig race, you know, the kids yeah. and the greased pig deal and the kids are... And they have to catch this pig and then they win a bicycle. So it's pretty oh, cool. They don't prize. get... So anyway, there was a couple of Hutterite gentlemen who had the pig and they're going to bring the pig out into the arena yeah. and they're going to turn that pig over and put him in the arena and, and boom, the kids are going to come charging and here we go. Yeah. So they come out and they kind of flip the pig over and they drop the pig and somebody yells, go and here come these kids from everywhere. That pig does not move a muscle. Really? He might as well have been dead because <laughs> the, the pig did not move. The first kid arrives, dives on the pig, and then 300 more kids arrive and land on top of that kid. Oh, the no. pig to this day has still not moved. And I started laughing. I just thought this was the funniest <laughs> thing I'd ever seen. I'm supposed to be announcing this thing. Yeah. The tears are streaming down my face. <laughs> Forget it. I have lost it because of this crazy non-moving pig in the yeah. pig race. It was just one of those goofy things that hits you. And, uh, <laughs> and I was just... I was done. I was absolutely, for five minutes, I was completely finished. <laughs> and there's like another event. That oh, yeah. Something happening right after that. But yeah. somebody else had to take care of it. And you, because you were, would you have been announcing by yourself? Or I was... can't remember. Uh, 
I think maybe Wes Cummings was there. Somebody, oh, yeah. you know, and but you know, somebody jumped in there and saved my hiney. So that's the funniest one. Well, the craziest thing you've seen happen was it that maybe that wasn't too crazy, but the parachuter in Medicine Hat the other yeah. last year, like yeah. lands in the back pens or something. <laughs> or? Yeah, there's been a few of those. You know, I I don't know about the absolute thing. craziest thing that's ever happened, but. I remember working a rodeo in Williams Lake and the lightning actually hitting the, the panels about 50 feet from the announcer stand, which Whoa. is made out of metal. We all just bailed out of there as fast as we could go. So uh, yeah. that was crazy, but not funny crazy. No. That was no. like, holy crap, crazy. You yeah. Know? Of course, they wouldn't have stopped the rodeo for lightning. Uh, yeah, actually, they did. They did. Yeah, I remember. And it was absolutely pouring rain. They were going to keep going yeah. through the rain, which is, is yeah. normal. But once the lightning started to hit, yeah. then they did actually take a break. And, and about a half an hour later, I remember Robin Burwash was climbing on his bareback horse and he had to get off and come back a half hour later and actually yeah. get on the horse again. But yeah, that was a little scary. Mm-hmm. Well, that's something that like in other major sports like football and stuff like that, like or baseball, like they have rain delays and they have oh, yeah. like lightning stuff. Like, why don't we do that with rodeo? Well, for sure, <laughs> especially electricity. I, I, yeah. I can deal with the rain. Of course, I can say that because I'm usually undercover, except at Calgary where I'm on stage and it's Tallman's true. undercover and <laughs> those kind of guys. But you can't trade either. No, it's, it's just not fair. You have a nice uh, umbrella holder lately. Uh, sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> we have that actually yeah. every once in a while. When I'm on stage and it's pouring down rain, yeah, we've got uh, amazing people there that'll come out there and kind of save you. But no, the, the electricity, that's not that much fun. No. How about the wildest story on the way to a rodeo? Like a lot of the fun stuff is going to and from. A lot, a lot of the rodeos we go to and the events, like a lot of it's the same, honestly. Like if you've seen one bull ride, you kind of seen a lot of them. Not yeah. to knock it down or nothing, but like I had a big conversation with Scott Shifter the other day at his house and we went back through and we watched all of his, like a lot of his highlights throughout his career. And the stories weren't about the ride as much as they were about the stories about what happened around that ride or like different things like that. So like, what, what do you think about that side of things and what's one of the wildest well, stories on the way to one? Okay. So I did not have much of a career as a competitor. Yeah. And probably not much more of a career as a bullfighter slash rodeo clown, but I did both of those things. When I was competing and I was traveling with Brian Claypool and a couple other guys, and we were down in the States. I have no idea where we were going. And And it's late at night and you got the radio going. And the announcer says, okay, so today's trivia contest, ladies and gentlemen, on the back of the $10 bill from the such and such national bank back in... 1900 or 1870, whatever year it was, who can tell us whose picture was on that bill? So that's the trivia question. So, of course, a bunch of guys were sitting in the car bored to tears. So we're going to all guess. And guys are guessing, well, you know, it must have been uh, George Washington or Abraham Lincoln. And I do not know why. And I should preface this by telling you that my nickname back then was Doc. And the reason it was Doc is because I was a huge Doc Holiday fan. And I used to tell all the guys that I'm actually the reincarnation of Doc Holiday. <laughs> <laughs> and so they'd, they'd laugh about this and stuff. So anyway, okay, so now back to the uh, trivia question. And I said, you know, it, it sounds weird, guys, but I think it was Santa Claus. And like, what a stupid thing to say. Mm-hmm. So the guy plays a couple of songs and he comes on. And he says, okay, I'm going to give you the answer now to the uh, trivia question. And the picture was actually that of, didn't say Santa Claus, but did say St. Nicholas. Really? And so, you know, all the guys go, how did you know that? <laughs> and I said... Because I was here, guys. Doc Holiday, hello. <laughs> and, uh, and from that point on, they never gave me much grief about the Doc Holiday thing. So. Oh, man. And where that came to me to say Santa Claus, I have no idea, but I was right. I thought you were going to go in and say like there was some kind of alien, like you heard the like that that whole <laughs> Mars landing thing well, or whatever they... reincarnation's kind of right there with it, Ted. <laughs> <laughs> We've talked about a little bit about kind of everything so far, Dave, but what is something in your rodeo announcing career that you still want to do before you finish? Oh, boy, that's uh, that's an interesting... You know, it's a great question, Ted, to be very honest with you. You know, there's always rodeos that you kind of wish that somewhere along the way you'd had a chance to yeah. announce just because they're really iconic or they're really neat rodeos. Yeah. Probably for me... On this side of the 49th parallel, I would say I'd always wished that I could have announced Strathmore. Oh, really? And I've never, never been there. I've been there, but not to announce there. Yeah. And uh, so that's one of those rodeos that I, I just love that rodeo and, and it just hasn't worked out. And then there's, you know, there's all those ones down in the United States that you wish. I made a huge mistake early on in my, I guess, mistake if, if you're 
wanting to be at the top of the field. Very early on in my career, I was announcing the Edmonton Spring Rodeo, yeah. called Super Rodeo at that time. Yeah. And Harry Vold was there. And Harry came to me after the final performance this one year. And I, so we're talking in the, I guess, in the 80s somewhere, maybe mid-80s. And he came to me and he said, you know, I'd like you to come with me down to the States. I've got some rodeos and I need you to work down there. You'd, you'd fit in great. And, and I think we can, we can build a pretty good career for you down there. And I declined. Really? I said, uh, yeah, I got a lot of stuff going on up here. And uh, so I'm thanks for the offer. But right now, I just don't think that's going to work for me. Oh, wow. You know, you think about Harry Vold. I remember I told Tallman this story and he said, you would have worked the NFR. You know that, right? Maybe not that year, but at some point you would have. Wow. If you'd have gone with Harry and done all the things that he indicated that you would be doing. I don't know if Bob was right or not, but we'll never know because I stupidly said, no, thank you. So, you know, you look back on those and you go, what was I thinking? Huh. And I honestly don't know. I can't, it's too far back to remember what I was thinking, but I, looking back, I probably would make that decision just slightly differently if I was given that second opportunity. But looking back though, too, you probably wouldn't trade what you've done here either. No, I wouldn't. You're absolutely right, Ted. And yes, going to the States would be really cool, but I've, I've worked so many of the great rodeos in Canada, yeah. worked with some amazing committees, worked with, uh, and, and I so admire our Canadian cowboys and cowgirls. And of course, a lot of the great Americans come up here and compete. So no, you're absolutely right. You know, to be 40 years at Medicine Hat coming this year, to be over 30 years at the Calgary Stampede, the greatest outdoor show on earth, to have the opportunity to have worked uh, half a dozen or so Canadian finals rodeos. Uh, I'm not looking back with a whole lot of regrets because I, I've loved what I've done. I remember Reg Kessler near the end of his career and near the end of his life, unfortunately, but I was chatting with him and I said, you know, Reg, looking back on it, would you do anything any differently? And he said, well, maybe I'd go to a few more rodeos. <laughs> oh, and, really? you know, all he'd done is gone to several thousand performances, <laughs> you know. Wow. So uh, I just thought that now that's the perfect answer to that question. So I've had that opportunity to go into an awful lot of rodeos. And I think I'm closing in on somewhere close to 3,000 performances. Yeah. And I can honestly say that I've enjoyed virtually every one of them. Yeah. And so, yeah, no, I wouldn't trade a whole lot. You already do between book signings and book tours and speaking engagements and rodeo performances like you have probably 200 performances days a year kind of thing or? Yeah, you're absolutely right, Ted, because one of the things that's really cool about uh, the writing thing is that because I've written a number of kids books, yeah. I spend a lot of time in schools working with kids on their writing and, yeah. and literacy and all of those things, which I also love to do. So yes, uh, th that's another aspect of my life. So I'm on the road a lot. Happily, I have a wife who's pretty good at feeding horses and occasionally cows if she needs to. And, but yeah, I am on the road a lot. But I, I love doing that. I love the interaction with people. I love talking to people about my books. I love swapping rodeo stories like we're yeah. doing here today and having fun with all of that stuff. So that's been a part of my life that's been very enjoyable. One of the questions we ask all of our guests is what their definition of cowboy shit is. I'm curious to hear what yours is. I would say it's all the stuff that happens outside of the arena. Yeah. Because, you know, I mean, all of us know what goes on in the arena because you can see it, you can watch it. But yeah. those of us who are connected with this sport or with rodeo life generally, or, or even the Western lifestyle generally, there's a whole lot of the cowboy life comes down to cowboy shit that, uh, that takes place that nobody knows about except those people that are involved with it. And, yeah. and I think that's, that's how I would define it. And it's a, it's a cool part of the life that we lead. You, you've seen a numerous different people compete inside inside the arena and you've seen them outside the arena who are some of the folks you've enjoyed watching the most in in competition i look back on it uh, i mean you know you mentioned schiffner and yeah and you know scotty goes back uh, so long and has had such a memorable career but i look maybe a little further back than that even uh, clint johnson who uh won three or four world titles three or four calgary stampedes and i remember interviewing clint one time and and he's remained a, 
a great friend and his family, and uh, I love that family. And I remember saying to Clint, after he'd won Calgary three or four times, he'd won the world three or four times, and I said to him, okay, Clint, at this stage, what mountains do you still have to climb? And he thought about it for a minute, and he said, you know, Dave, he said, I don't think I've made my best rides yet. Hmm. And I thought, you know, you can live your life according to that statement right there. Not just riding bucking horses, but, you know, you haven't done your best work yet, even whether you're 25 or 75, if that's your belief... You're you're going to get better. You believe that you can still get better, and I thought that was maybe the greatest single answer to a single question that I ever asked in all of my career, and I just loved that. And also, I loved watching the guy ride, yeah, because he was absolutely amazing. But over the years, you know, there there've just been those people. I mean, you know, I I've been very fortunate to grown up around people like Tom Ferguson and some of those great timed event cowboys out of the U.S. and and we're I mean, obviously guys like Brazil and Coopers and all yeah. of that, you know, to, to be able to sit there and not only watch these guys, but actually get to tell people about them on a yeah. microphone, that's like the coolest job ever. So uh, I really consider myself very, very fortunate to have had that opportunity. We've talked about being on your side of the microphone, but let's talk a bit about the people you work with and, and specifically the, the entertainers. Specifically Ted. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I want to talk about like like Halstead and Ernie Marshall. I, saw, I was in a, a restaurant yesterday, the Beltliner on like 12th Ave, and I saw a picture of Ernie Marshall riding an ostrich at the Calgary Stampede. Like you've had to see some wild stuff there, like Buddy Heaton, like folks like that. Like there's got to be some cool oh, stories. Yeah, you're too. going back to some really cool. Ernie Marshall, I don't know how many performances I did with that guy. Halstead, same thing. Ash Cooper, of course. Ash and I have done other things uh, yeah, like television TV. and stuff and yeah. As well. So, yeah, those people, you know, I, I so admire people who can go out into that arena in a bunch of grease paint and some funny clothes and and be entertaining. And they are. It's a gift. And Flint Rasmussen from down in the States, one of the great entertainers, I, I think a comic genius, as I think some of our guys are as well on this side of 49. So to get to work with those guys, I, I love being the straight man. I just, I have a lot of fun being the straight man and letting those guys poke fun at me and yeah. I remember when I went to the Canadian Finals Rodeo in 2008, and I hadn't been there for like 20 years or something. I got to be very honest with you. I was working with Wayne Brooks, and I was not merely nervous. I was terrified. And that's the first time I'd had that feeling in front of a microphone for a really long time. Yeah. And I told Wayne that, and he said, well, you know, just just do what you do. And about five, 10 minutes in, Ash Cooper came out into the arena and, and said something stupid and took a shot at me. And right then I just relaxed. And it, it was like, Ash knew that I needed that. Yeah. And, and it was perfect. It was the perfect thing to do, the perfect thing to say. And I just totally relaxed, got into the humor of the moment, traded a few barbs back and forth with him. And then I was fine for the rest of the CFR. You know, those guys are, they're magical. They're absolutely, uh, and uh, Ted, you're on the music side. That's one of the huge, huge changes that has taken place in our industry. Ted, I remember having those stupid cassette players and the cassettes <laughs> piled up beside me and I'm flicking the darn thing on and off while I'm trying to announce the rodeo. That yeah. was the music back, you know, 30 years ago. It was ridiculous. Yeah. Now you look where we are. The music has become such an important part of the production itself. And thank goodness it has, because it, it's added, I think, a tremendous dimension to, to the sport. We can help you guys out by changing the entire mood of the event with just what we have for music. At the time. Well, and, and and in the same way that those entertainers, those do, yeah. entertainers in the arena are able to do that, you guys read that audio audience, you read what's going on, you read the moment, and you're absolutely right. You can you can fit that music to, to make it work for what uh, is appropriate to that moment. That's huge. That's absolutely huge. And that's been, as I said, that has truly been one of the really revolutionary kind of changes that's happened in rodeo during my career. And only in the last 10, 15 years. Then before that, it was the old cassette. <laughs> or the live band. Hey, I worked what with the talent? live band. Were you the conductor? Yes, with the conductor. <laughs> At the Canadian Finals Rodeo, when I first did the Canadian Finals back in the 80s, mid-80s, my first three Canadian Finals Rodeos were with a live band, an orchestra leader, and they did kind of the same kind of thing that wow. uh, that you guys do on the... And it was... It was kind of cool. It was okay. When was that? Well, like I say, mid-80s, I'm, okay, I'm yeah, going to say, yeah, okay. somewhere in there. But I think that it had been like that since virtually the start of the start Canadian of Finals like, Rodeo in the, the early 70s. And the start of any 70s. rodeos, too, yeah. right? Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. 
I think Edmonton Super Rodeo did that. Uh, there were other wow. rodeos that did as well. So, what yeah. did, did Calgary ever have a live band, or what do they do? They're nothing. Uh, let me see. A lot wouldn't do anything either, would they? Uh, I I don't I don't think they did. But uh, okay. but way back, maybe in the '60s and yeah, stuff before knows? I started. Who knows? But okay. yeah, that could have been the case. This has been a lot of fun. <laughs> it really has been yeah. great. Is there anything else you want to mention or say or or anything like that? Like the new book's coming out May 9th? May sixth. It's uh, May well, 6th. it it could be May 9th. You know, I mean, it's. Tar- yeah. Targeting May 6th, but it's uh, yeah. it's called None So Deadly, and it'll be yeah. the fourth book in the Cullen and Cobb series. Going to be some cool stuff going on. I'll make sure you guys get an invitation to the launch. It'll be fun to have you there. Okay, Perfect. cool. Yeah. And and uh, I just want to thank you. That, no, this was this was great fun. I I, I, uh, I hope we can do it again For sometime. Sure. Are we making any bets on the next book? Do you got any references I need to find? I already <laughs> lost once. I got to get my... Get uh, it right. You owe me lunch, man. We're doing that at Rocky Mountain House this yeah. year. Well, there might be some. Maybe. I'll, I'll keep no. you posted. Book five, me. I've got... Listen, breaking news. Yeah. Book five, if there is a book five, yeah. actually starts with a dead body in the middle of the infield at the Calgary Stampede oh. during the Calgary Stampede. Oh now, how gosh. cool is that? Oh, my gosh. And I'm not, gonna say, yeah, I'm not going to say who it is, but don't bug me, Ted. <laughs> even, <laughs> even if you don't get book five, you might have to just write that one I might us, have to. I might have else. to do that. You're right. I, you'll get it, Dave. So I hope so. Wish you the best. And thanks for taking the time to stop yeah, by thanks, and drive Dave. down. Hey, thanks to you guys. That was yeah. fun. Awesome. This is Cowboy Shit with Ted and Wacy, brought to you by Everything Cowboy. Here we go. All right. I want to talk about some predictions. First prediction. We're gonna do. We're gonna do like who we think is gonna win the PBR World Championship, the non-sanctioned A World Championship. Segment. And on then, cowboy shit. Yeah. And then the non-sanctioned world Sam- championship. We'll see who's going to win their <laughs> world championship. <laughs> and we'll do the CPRA, PBR Canada. Okay. So let's do a few here right now. So let's pick off number one, non-sanctioned champion um, of, in Las, of Las Vegas in 2019. You can go first. Oh, I'm going to pick Kimsey because he's probably oh, going to win. Oh, that non-sanctioned. That non-sanctioned. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can't, you can't, you can't not pick Sage Kimsey. So we're both, we're going Sage times two on that one for the non-sanctioned world championship. Sage times two. Okay, PBR. Who do you got for the PBR World Championship? Oh, I'm like having a the big, true world champion I'm having a big, of the world of bull riding. I'm having a big internal battle with this one, but I'm going to go Lockwood. Wacy's got Lockwood. Yeah, he's riding way too good not to pick him. Okay, and then I'm going to go Jose Vitor Leme. I was, it was between him and Outlaw. Or like those three guys and were my choices. Outlaw, Lockwood, and Leme. I couldn't decide, but... Uh, yeah, I, I mean... I like the the Lockwood idea too, and plus he's got America behind him, which is good. But and Jose, we thought he was going to start have a killer start of the season too, but he kind of hasn't had that yeah. start. But I still think with how good that guy rides, and you mm-hmm. know, he's going to be a tough out. Super cool his story to go from being a what did he soccer say, player, like a, pro soccer player. Yeah, but wasn't there something else? He was like a jujitsu guy or something too, something or like, like that, a yeah. wrestler, or like yeah, there was something else too. But he's like he's a big yeah. time athlete. Yeah, mm-hmm. so I'm going to go JVL. You got it. And then let's go Canadian Pro Rodeo title this year. CPRA. Um, Jared. Where's he Finkbonner was the Canadian champ last year? I got Jared Parsonage. Parsonage? Ooh, who do I got now? I didn't actually plan very far ahead here as to who I wanted to pick. What about like Jordan Hansen, maybe? Could he, he go can back never, again? You can never count him out. Jordan. He could be a guy that yeah, can. Yeah, because if he's healthy and riding, like he's really tough to beat. Was he in Red Deer? Do you know that? Yeah. Jordan was? Mm, you got Parsonage, though. That was a good one. I'm not going to pick the same guy. We're going to make my boy. That's my boy. Damn. So, crap. Wacy's got Jared. Jared P. Uh, crap. I don't know who to pick here. I'm gonna have to go with Jordan. He's your guy. Yeah, I'm gonna go. But he's Jordan. not. A, he's not a bad pick though. Like, like I said, you can never count, especially at that level, man. Like he dominates that level. It's true. What about PBR Canada? Mm, What's your pick? Brock. Brock's got his knee bunged up. He's not even gonna get to start till next halfway through the season. You can pick him if you want, but I'm just like I'm trying to tell you. Uh, he's got. A- <laughs> no. I know, he's probably. Gonna, I don't know if he's gonna miss the monster tour events or not, but he's gonna be out for quite a while. So yeah, just the way he can like string together wins is like yeah. Oh man, I okay, like it. okay, okay. Sorry, Brock, but Dakota, because he says he, he says he's gonna. He, go. he wants to he do said it. He wants to go. So ooh, and he's like he's our best guy. So man, you picked first like every time. I don't know. You keep asking me to pick first. I'm like I'm not. Oh man, I should have done better at that. So you got crap. You got the good picks. You got Brock. You said no. You got butter. Butter. Oh, you said, man. Full disclosure, I wanted to pick you, Brock, if you're listening. Butter, Brock. I want to go with Lonzo, I think. Yeah, good. 
Good yeah. pick. He he's another one of those guys too. At like back here, like he just dominates. He rides so good at like this level, like here. Yeah, and plus after being down there all spring, I bet she freaking really dominates now because yeah. he's getting on such better bulls. He's gonna be getting mm-hmm. on like a lot of good bulls. Well, you at home. See, you've seen him like he's warmed like warmed up a lot of really good bulls and like he made a oh, good yeah. ride on red bandana. Like he's yeah. gonna he's gonna be connecting at that level again, like in well, no time. Yeah, exactly. But like to be able to ride at that level, it makes it so much. I think it's gonna make it so much easier. Yeah, at home. things are gonna slow down for him at up, at home mm-hmm. up here. I think mm-hmm. I could be wrong, but. I think well, that's look, well, even go. just look when Dakota comes home and rides like, he, oh yeah, he stays on Dominates everything. Now. Yeah. Okay. So we got those. What else do you want to do? Want to do all around champion of Canada, like Jake Gardner again. He's, he's going to win again. Go back to back. Yeah, I think so. There's really isn't, besides that Luke G, there really isn't anybody who can like contend with him. And there was one other guy in the bull. Yeah, Luke G. Who yeah. else was in it though? I think it was just those two that were, there like, was one more that was trying to qualify. It was like a Bronkrider bulldog or combo. I'm not too sure, bro. I forget. Don't follow that close. But like Jake rides bulls a lot better than Luke does. So I think that's where you get, I think that's where you get the, the that's change. That's the deciding factor. The yeah. changeover. For me anyways. That's fair. I'll, I'll give you that. Okay. What else do we have for predictions? Oh, this is a good one. How many Canadians make the NFR this year? Mm. Last yeah. year was six. Six? I think there'll be eight. Eight. I'm going to go lucky number. Well, we should look at this. Who do you think it's going to be? I bet Jake Vold makes it back to the NFR Jake again. Oren. Oren's going to make number five. Clint. Clint Lay would be number six. Um, Carmen again. CP, Carmen Posbon. Uh Scott and Curtis. SGCC. Zeke Thurston, Clay Elliott. So yeah. that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. And Leighton Green will probably get back there. Oh, geez. Leighton Green. What about Jake Watson? You can never count him out. I think Jake Watson, I think I think Ty Tipitat is Ty Rell Larson. We have Ty Tipitat. Yeah, yeah. Tanner Mylan, maybe. Mm-hmm. Maybe Kyle Lucas. I think he might make yeah. it someday in the calf roping. Wasn't Colton, Logan Bird Colton, maybe someday? Colton Schmidt, isn't he roping good Colton still? Schmidt, Levi, and Jerry. Yeah, you can never count those guys out. Levi, Simpson, Jerry. But they're not roping together now. Oh, they're not? Crap, that's right. Broke up. I'm going to go with, you say eight. I'm going to go I'm gonna go lucky number seven, though. Cool. I'm going to go seven. So, hey, we're doing all these picks, too, but you guys can do this as well. Mm-hmm. We want to know. We want to hear it. If you want to make some bets, we're willing to put up some money. We don't have any, but we'll like pretend or whatever. I got Monopoly money. Yeah. He waits. He can bet in Canadian tire money. So let's do this right from the start of the year, though. I'm going to pick Jake Vold. Think Jake will make it back? Yeah. So Jake Vold times two. Oren Larson times two. Are you going to go with Clint? Clint for, Clint for sure. You're thinking Clint? Yeah. If he's, go, if he's healthy, he's making it. I'm going to go Carmen, Zeke, Clay Elliott. Got those three. So I got... I got five. I got Scott and Curtis, six, seven. So those are my seven. And the rest guys are wild cards. I think Layton's a for sure for me. He's my eighth. Do you think Layton's your yeah. eighth? Okay. Otherwise, you got the same guys as me. Tanner Milan. I want to say Tanner's going to make it back. I don't know. That's kind of cool. There's a potential to be a lot more. How many Canadians are going to win the $100,000 at the Calgary Stampede? Oh, man. I, I, I don't know. I have to wait to see the list. Would you say that Marcus counts as Canadian? Marcus Corey no, or no? He's from Brazil. <laughs> he is from Brazil, but he's living in Edmonton. Yeah, I'd have to wait to see the list who's all going for Canadians. I'm going to go 2019. I'm going to go one, one, just one. Last year, there's none. I'll say two. You're going to say two? Yeah. Okay. All right. So what else do we got? Oh, uh, so another thing we had was uh, another uh, broken heart for Wacey. (sighs) I thought I was hoping you were going to forget about that. (laughs) (laughs) It's been a rough, uh, been a rough go here. I had it written down in my notes. Oh, see, you weren't going to forget. No, see, that's the thing. If yeah. I write it down, I remember. Been listening to lots of sad music. Yep. Yeah, I was just laying in my bed, just listening to sad music. It just oh. you actually were. Yeah, I, know, I was so was sad, man. It was last week was really rough. Oh, dude, it was I'm a sad sorry. week. Still picking up the pieces of my broken heart, but <laughs> we'll uh, we'll be okay. So, Wacy's back on the market. If anybody's uh, in the in the, if anybody likes me, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a nice guy. Oh dear, I am. Uh, I can. I swim without floaties. He can wipe his own ass. I can. I can pee stand up. <laughs> I can tie my own shoes. What else am I good at? Not good at math. So if you're looking for a math guy, not your cup of tea. Wacey Anderson, not a math guy. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it was a bad deal. You know, I'm not happy about it, but you know, everything it happens for a reason, I guess. I guess, eh? Like I said to Foley on the phone there just recently, I just finished picking up the pieces of my last one and got it taped back together. And now it's back at it. Hot start. We think you used the wrong glue though. Yeah. I think, think I'm pretty sure you used one of those, like the glue sticks you had in school that like, if you didn't put the cap back on, it would dry out. Oh, so that's, so that's what happened. It wrecked yeah. It out, eh? Yeah. So I'm going to need to like get some Gorilla Glue this time around. Do but, it a little better. Yeah. We'll get it. We'll get it sorted out. Oh, I'm sorry, man. It's okay, bro. We're here for you though. Yeah. We'll be good. We'll be okay. Yeah. Eventually. I'm a big boy. Big, big girls don't cry. <laughs> That's on my sad song playlist in case you're wondering. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. It's a sad song. So what? Or like a like Adele. Like that's a... Rolling in the deep? No, 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 no. Someone, Rolling. No, someone like you by Adele. 
Really? Well, that's a sad song. Like, like really you, sad. How many times did you cry over this one? I'd rather not say because <laughs> it was n- <laughs> you because you weren't around. You were gone. Where was I? Was I in Denver? Yeah, you didn't yeah. even tell me what you told I me. Mean, like, I was so I t- told you like a day after. I was so sad. <laughs> Didn't want to talk to anybody. I was so sad. <laughs> Did you talk to anyone? I called my mom the next day and cried to her for a bit. <laughs> <laughs> Actually? Yeah, man. I cried a lot. Oh, my gosh. I was so sad. I'm still pretty sad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, sorry to dig the wound back Oh, up. man. It's okay. But, like, there's that oh. there's that song by Ariana Grande, thank that No next. Tears Left to Cry. Oh, they're going to say thank you That's next. me. Well, maybe I got something left. I don't know. But, yeah. He's it was, on... Wacy's on to the thank you next. You were gone in Denver, so oh, I was like... Oh, man, I, I couldn't by, even come and hold I was you, all like by hug myself. you and just... Break. It's okay, buddy. I was all by myself, it's so... Okay. Yeah, it was pretty... It was a rough oh, few man. days there. I'm, oh, on, I'm like, I'm doing better now, When obviously. did it happen? Like, what was the date of the, the, the wound, of the incident? <sighs> the, uh... Like, was the it, 10th of January. Oh, shit, like the day I left. Yeah. Like, two days after I left. Yeah. Oh, fuck. Yeah. You didn't tell me till like, a while Saturday later. Saturday morning. Oh, that's two days later, man. Man, I was so sad. <laughs> oh, Lee. I didn't know what... I just didn't really want to talk to anybody. Oh, man. Yeah. It's fresh. The wound is fresh. Yeah, bro. It hasn't even been two weeks yet. Pretty near. Jeez. Okay, this is, that's bad. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's okay, man. We're getting oh. there sorted up. I'm thankful for having a good group of people around me who've been supportive through it all. Yes. Giving me all the cliches of a breakup. I don't think I gave you any advice. No, that's fine. <laughs> I've gotten I've gotten a lot of advice. It's one of those things though. It's like just takes time and whatever. It sucks, and I'm really sad because like I really liked her a lot. Obviously, <laughs> we got along well. Did you good people? Did you want me to to give you advice? Like, no, that I'm not an advice giver. There's no. There's really no. There's really no advice to give though. It's just like you, all you can say is, "Oh, chin up, buddy. You'll be okay. You're better off without her." Cowboy, I'd be a little bitch boy. Yeah, just stuff like that. Just like I've heard. <laughs> I heard it. All, I heard it from my mom and dad. I heard it from yeah like, my other friends. It's just like or my brother. It's like lots of other fish in the sea. All that kind of stuff. It's like <laughs> I've heard it all before. It, it's still gonna suck. I don't. You can tell me that as, as many times as you want. It's still gonna be a shitty because you get your heart broken, but. I had one of those when I was like 20 or something when I was... You got your heart broke? Yeah, like I just came back from college or something and then I like, I got dumped or whatever. I cried my mom and she like hugged me and she's like, it's okay, Mm -hmm. it's okay. And then my dad was the best. He was like, well, the best way to get get over one girl is to get under another (laughs) one. (laughs) Yeah, that's another one of those things. It's like, yeah, it makes sense and it's nice to hear and you appreciate it, but... But it was like, I was like, dad, you guys... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, good. He was like... (laughs) Yeah, it's it's just like oh. that kind of stuff. It it sucks and it take it just takes time. You gotta do your yeah. thing. I'm happy that I'm going to oh. Toronto soon. That would be nice to get out of town for a bit and kind of. Oh yeah, we'll, clear we'll my be mind. able to talk about Toronto in the next pod. Okay, so last one. Shout outs, buddy Josh in Australia. Thanks, mate. Ride the Rage PBR. Josh Hansen gives us a shout out. Three podcasts for PBR fans, and he said he gives a uh, Matt Merritt roadcast. Matt West now. Go, go listen to the pods if you haven't heard from mm-hmm. our buddies Matt. The, the mats with Matt, their they should do a podcast together called Matt Squared yeah that'd be cool right mm-hmm. they could do they could do Matt Times too Matt West Roadcast Now or like the Merritt West Showdown Matt and Matt who knows but still <laughs> awesome that they got the podcast rolling and then Josh mentions ours he says if you have ever read an article on the PBR Canada website everything cowboy chances are Ted Sobin wrote Ted and his roommate Wacey Anderson host this fortnightly dive is that like does that mean two weeks every two weeks must be fortnightly fortnight fortnight's a it was a fortnight ago Okay. When I got dumped. <laughs> Dived in the world of Canadian Western <laughs> sports in the PBR. Now in season two, episodes generally generally run for under an hour and feature lighthearted banter, news, and special guests, which have included PBR personalities and for qualifiers and musicians. It is always entertaining with Ted, Wacy, and their guests reliving stories of shenanigans from the road in just about every episode. I have to say that this is the podcast I most look forward to downloading for the drive to work. Nice. Thanks, Thanks Josh. Shout out. Thank you. Appreciate you, Mike. Send us some Vegemite. Thanks a lot. Please. Well, no, we should send him something canadian we should send send him a t-shirt we should send him a t-shirt we should send him some like ketchup chips and some smarties and like some canadian stuff maybe a glass like a jug of maple syrup molson canadian like uh you know one molson canadian just one rogue beer so thanks josh appreciate you mate thanks thanks mate good day mate thank you throw another shrimp on the barbie (laughs) that's the podcast for this week (laughs) this was episode 31 of cowboy shit with ted and wacy brought to you by everything cowboy